From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, February 8th. The one-year anniversary of the January insurrection at the U.S. Capitol has come and gone. But anger among the far right continues to simmer, especially in the West, where extremists have been active for years. The Biden administration has taken a harder stance against domestic terrorism and far-right extremism in this country. But it hasn't touched Nevada rancher Cliven Bundy yet. He and his family members have battled with the feds over the use of public lands for years. The Mountain West News Bureau's Nate Hedgie reports. The sun is just peaking over the mountains in southern Nevada. It's summertime, about 85 degrees, and the warm light spreads over an open expanse of the Mojave Desert. This area is protected as a national monument called Gold Butte, which means it's mostly public lands. Anyone can come here, go camping, but for environmentalist Patrick Donnelly, this place feels like it belongs to the Bundys. Uh, These are not safe spaces. (laughs) You know, these public lands are not safe public lands. Donnelly works for the environmental nonprofit Center for Biological Diversity. It's easy to understand why he might be nervous. In 2014, the Bundys and hundreds of militia members and protesters shut down a nearby interstate and held federal agents at gunpoint to stop them from seizing the family's cows. The battle over illegal grazing on public lands made national and international headlines. The feds eventually backed down, citing safety concerns. Ever since then, there have been reports of sporadic violence here. There have been contractors for BLM runoff uh, with shots fired. BLM rangers were forbidden from coming out here for years. You know, this is not a safe place. The Cold War that's brewing out here began nearly three decades ago. That's when the Bundys stopped paying fees to the federal government to graze their cattle on thousands of acres of public lands adjacent to the ranch. The Bundys don't recognize the feds as having control over those lands. They owe more than a million dollars in unpaid grazing fees and fines to the government. But since the arms standoff in 2014, the feds haven't touched the Bundys or their cattle. Donnelly and I spot two of those cows walking along a dirt road. Six more graze along a river. See how how brazen this is. They don't hide it. There's no uh, attempt to mask what they're doing. They're saying, hey, we're breaking the law. Donnelly wishes the Biden administration would take a stand. After all, the president has cracked down on extremism over the past year. His administration arrested more than 700 people involved in the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, and it created a new domestic terrorism unit within the FBI. But so far, it hasn't touched the Bundys. We've not heard anything, seen anything. It's been complete silence on that regard for the past year. That's Ryan Bundy, one of Cliven's sons. He helps manage the family's cattle operations, and he played a prominent role in the 2014 armed standoff. Public lands advocates say the incident gave momentum to anti-government militias in the West and helped spark other clashes, including last year's insurrection, which Bundy supports. He wishes it had gone even further. I think Trump failed when he told the people to back down. I think Trump should have said, no, let's take this capital and let's keep it. As for his family's ranch, if the Biden administration tries to take action against the Bundys, he says they will fight back. We will stand on our rights and we will stand on our ground and we will do whatever it takes to maintain that. That's what we've always said is we'll do whatever it takes and that holds true today. The Bureau of Land Management did not respond to repeated calls and requests for comment about the Bundys. But environmentalist Patrick Donnelly says he thinks he knows why the Biden administration hasn't moved on the family. It's politically nuclear. The nation is a tinderbox right now. There are a growing number of militias, political extremism is on the rise, and the Bundys are media savvy. 
famous and well-connected with violent groups. Donnelly thinks the Biden administration doesn't want to risk bloodshed over some cows in an area that, frankly, not many people visit. But that's a tough pill to swallow for retired BLM employee Richard Spots. Obviously, it's kind of like dealing with a bully in the schoolyard. Uh, if they always get away with it, it empowers them. Spots worked for more than 15 years in the Southwest. He says his field office dealt with ranchers like the Bundys who broke laws, and there are ways to take discreet action, like using liens and seizing the family's cows during an auction. You could be creative about finding ways that he's not going to be able to alert the militia and have two or 300 people there with bulletproof vests and assault rifles, you know. That's the smart part. And I haven't seen the federal government being smart. Bottom line, Spot says something has to be done by the Biden administration because letting the Bundys go free sets a precedent. I mean, especially in light of the insurrection. I mean, it's almost like there's a civil war and it's like, are we still a country of the rule of law? For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Nate Hedgie in Bunkerville, Nevada. This story comes from our partners at the Mountain West News Bureau. The Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission regulates the oil and gas industry in that state. Recently, they've been discussing whether companies should put more money up front as a financial assurance, commonly known as a bond, to guarantee there's enough money for the state to clean up a well site if a company goes bankrupt or walks away. From our partners at KVNF, Chad Rich reports. In 2019, the mission of the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, or COGCC, changed from fostering to regulating the oil and gas industry. One of the measures the commission is evaluating is how wells are bonded or guaranteed that they'll be cleaned up when extraction is complete. COGCC Commissioner John Messner. The current financial assurances may not be adequate, and we need to undergo a rulemaking in order to evolve those financial assurance requirements. If a company walks away from a site without cleaning it up, it becomes an orphan well. And it is the state of Colorado's responsibility to address plugging, abandoning, reclamating, and remediating that particular well or operation. Bonds for wells are like deposits for rental apartments. When the operator is done at the site, they're required to clean it up, like a tenant would an apartment. If that happens, the bond is returned to the operator. If they walk away, the state keeps the bond and becomes responsible for cleanup. The COGCC estimates it costs over $82,000 to clean up a single well, but bonds are often a fraction of that cost. Individual bonds range from $10,000 to $20,000 per well, and blanket bonds can bring down the cost to less than $1,000 per well. According to Carbon Tracker, a nonprofit that monitors financial implications around fossil fuels, that leaves nearly $7 billion in uninsured wells in Colorado. One way to guarantee operators clean up their sites is to require companies to put up bonds that cover 100% of the cleanup costs. But Lynn Granger of the American Petroleum Institute says that's not realistic. Unfortunately, not all companies would be able to get to 100% full cost bonding or it wouldn't make good business sense for them. And that would have a pretty devastating effect on the industry here in Colorado. Nobody's advocating for that. It's probably true that it would be quite difficult for the vast majority of companies to come up with the full cost of their cleanup operations tomorrow. That's Andrew Forks Gudmundson of the League of Oil and Gas Impacted Communities, 
or Logic, a Denver-based advocacy group. We want operators to work towards that full cost bonding amount over a reasonable period of time. In some cases, that could be five years. In some cases, it could be 10 years. But at the end of a you know reasonable pay-in period, we would like every well to be covered by a full cost bond. Out of Colorado's roughly 50,000 wells, between four and 500 are orphaned. That pales in comparison to the 8,000 found in Pennsylvania. Still, these sites can emit greenhouse gases like methane or leak harmful chemicals into waterways and onto soils. And oil and gas production is still on the rise. That means more wells will be drilled in the coming years and decades, even as renewables chip away at the energy sector's market share. Forks Gudmundson of Logic says that could result in more orphan wells. The oil and gas industry in Colorado is essentially at the whim of the global oil and gas market. The vast majority of operators plug and abandon wells through cash flow, basically as they generate revenue for their producing wells, they use that money to plug old wells. If they generate less revenue, they will have less revenue with which to plug and abandon wells when they're at the end of their life. So anything that could negatively impact the value of oil and gas could stand to negatively impact cleanup operations in the state. As hazardous as they may be, these sites could actually provide some economic benefits to frontline communities, as the Biden administration recently approved funding for cleaning up orphan wells. Dan Brissett is with the Environment and Energy Institute, a bipartisan nonprofit that promotes sustainable societies. Plugging wells is an economic activity, and somebody has to do it. And there is some transferability of skills between fossil fuel jobs and oil plugging jobs. So to the extent that there's any silver lining, it comes in the form of jobs. But Brissett says it's not worth it. You would never trade orphaned wells for oil plugging jobs. The new rules are expected to be released the last week of February. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Chad Rich. This story is part of a collaborative reporting project with Rocky Mountain Community Radio looking at fossil fuel transitions in the West. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, February 8th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.